Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. For the last 20 years, I've been on your TV set, an investigative reporter for NECN and NBC Boston. But now I'm telling stories in a new way, here on Boston South Shore. We're looking through the lens of one small town, but we dig into issues families are facing across the country. To be sure, it's been a rough 14 months. We've lost loved ones, jobs, there's been political upheaval, a racial reckoning, and the toll on our mental health and on our kids is still unfolding. But there are opportunities, too. The pandemic forced us to look inward. What do we want out of our lives, our community, our relationships? Can we be better, stronger, more connected? I say yes. Let's start now. There's like salad leaves. There's a banana peel. From carrots, there's peels. There's lots of eggshells because we made omelettes the other day. Christine Eigenman pokes through scraps she's collecting in a small container underneath her kitchen sink. Does it smell? It doesn't smell at all because it has a good locking mechanism. don't know if you hear the click when I close it. She's saving the food waste for her new compost bin in the backyard. So now I'm opening my earth machine. I open my food container and I just chuck it in here. I have a little shovel here next to it. I can just steer it around a bit. That's it. Eigenman and her family moved to Hingham a couple of years ago from Zurich in Switzerland, where she says she didn't think much about climate change. I guess, now looking back, life was just too busy. You read it in the press, you hear it on the news, but nobody around you is doing anything, so probably can't be that bad. So why should you worry? Why should you care? But when they moved from a European city to the U.S. suburbs, things changed. They were struck by two things, the big cars, convenience, and instant gratification of an American lifestyle, and the abundance of green open space in Ingham. We never worked that close to nature. We, we never had, like, bunnies and turkeys and deer and I don't know what else in the backyard. So we were like, wow, this is, this is amazing. So there were two things happening parallel. There's, like, the bombardment of, whoa, there seems to be quite some waste going on at the same time there's so much great nature Mm. and somehow the combination of it managed to crack my bubble Mm. you know like to allow myself to actually notice what was going on and to dive deeper and to want to know more so what did you do so there was a big finding phase like I, I read a lot of books I watched a lot of news and then the first the first thing that happened was I was completely overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have the feeling this is way too big to do anything. And we've destroyed already so much, uh, there's nothing we can do to actually save anything. Mm. And then eventually, like I'm the person which usually then just needs to act and do something. And that's I found that this is the best antidote, actually. And I realized that and there is lots of things we can still do uh, if we act now. So they started to make small changes, like composting, that she and experts say, if done by enough people, can make a real difference in the battle against climate change. The key word here, I would say, is less. And we started just doing less things. So and the pandemic helped uh, a lot, doing less things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were basically forced to do less things, all of us, right? So it's using less car and more bike or or walking, or maybe an electric vehicle, Mm -hmm. 
or using less planes, uh, which means that maybe instead of going somewhere by plane, you might consider going there by car uh, and using less emissions. Eigenman and her son also became vegetarians, which she knows. <laughs> which, is, which sounds very drastic for lots of people I know that. I'm going to digress here for a second, because I've been doing a lot of reading on climate change lately, and something struck me. Now, we are one of the families I'm about to describe, so I am not coming at you all sanctimonious. But according to the World Resource Institute, Americans eat the equivalent of three burgers worth of meat every week. Now, why that's a problem is that it takes a lot of land to house and feed cattle. And when that land gets cleared of its trees, scientists say, the carbon dioxide that used to be stored in those trees, that's the same carbon dioxide that traps heat, is now released into the environment. Then add in cow burps. When cattle eat, they burp up a lot of methane, one of the most dangerous greenhouse gases, about eight times more than, say, chicken. So environmentalists say if Americans cut their weekly beef intake by half, there'd be less demand for cattle, less land needed, and less burping. Now, to me, this seems easy enough. I'm not ready to give up snug steak tips or Square Cafe burgers or the bolognese at Cafe Tosca, but I can cut down eating beef each week, and so can my family. So game on. Let's give it a shot. All right. Back to Christine. Okay, so traveling, composting, vegetarianism, anything else you're doing? Yeah, well, we're trying as well um, to cut down, well, our house still has oil heating. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to cut down on that, which is a very challenging thing. (laughs) uh, Because, I mean, our house is really drafty. um, So what we now did last summer is we insulated the roof. Mm. Uh, At the same time, We also, whenever we're not in the house or during the night, we turn down the temperature drastically. So what would you just say to someone who says, you're one person, what kind of difference could you truly be making? If everybody now, for example, um, starts composting or if everybody stops idling, Mm -hmm. that's just making a huge impact. If everybody would stop idling, and I'm just talking about the personal um, vehicles, mm-hmm. that would but that would equal taking five million cars off off the roads in the U.S. Mm. The thing is, it's not over till it's over, right? Uh, so basically, mm. as long as we can still save just one kind of species, or still save one island in the in the Pacific from from getting uh, flooded. It's worth it. Mm. Uh, and we're just going to try, I think, together as a, as, a, as, a, as a world, we just have to try to now turn this ship around and to make sure that uh, the global warming is actually stopping. And we can do it. I mean, that's the that's great thing about it. The global warming is man-made. So we also have it in our hands to do something about it. And that's what I mean with the hope. Mm. That we have the technologies. We actually know how to do it. We just have to do it. (laughs) I want to take a quick break here to say, if you like the podcast, help us grow. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen and share us with a friend. If you're listening on Apple, for example, it's really easy. Just go to those three dots on the bottom right of your screen and hit share. Thanks. Okay, back to our conversation. You've heard how one family is making changes to help the environment, but what can we do as a larger community? 
I want to bring in my next guest. Kathy Reardon is a former Hingham Selectman and current member of the town's Climate Action Task Force. Hi, Kathy. Hi, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Tell me what the task force is. The task force was set up, appointed by the Board of Selectmen, to uh, scope out a projected uh, climate action planning process. Uh, So we are actually making a plan to make a plan, (laughs) if you understand. So we're not making the plan. We're just looking to see what should probably be in that plan. How should the plan work? Tell me how you see climate change affecting us here on the South Shore specifically. Well, the most, uh, the clearest thing I happen to see because I live on the water is the fact that we really do have sea level rise. And that's affecting the, the town's harbor front. It's affecting our own shorefront. Uh, and it's an issue that the town is really going to have to face if we're going to keep our bathing beach and, and our, our uh, wharves and, and uh, landing places for boats and so on. And then in the larger picture, how do you see climate change affecting us here? Well, the other area particularly, of course, is warming and the changes in, in the natural area that we're seeing less rainfall, sort of more sporadically, more droughts, more wind. It just seems like the, the climate is around here is becoming more violent and more extreme. So at town meeting on May 8th, we can vote on whether or not we want to create a formal climate action planning committee that would then make a climate action plan. So reading from the Warren article, the plan would recommend a strategy to, quote, facilitate a townwide net zero sum of carbon emissions produced and removed from the atmosphere by the year 2040. Tell me what that means. Well, it means that we're we're going to have to find ways to reduce our carbon emissions, mainly, you know, through whether it's automobiles, house heating, uh, all the things that emit carbon into the air. And when you say net zero, it it means that there may be some ways in which we can, say, plant trees or do other things that also take away some of the carbon out of the air. So map that out for me a little bit further. In the Warren article, it says that the task force would evaluate a wide range of carbon emission reduction strategies. Like what specifically? Um, There are various ways that that you you can change your building codes. You can to to encourage more um, green buildings. You can change your um, heating. You can change uh, the kinds of vehicles. You can put uh, solar on your roof or solar in in public places. You can use windmills. Uh, There are a lot of, of technologies that are really pretty well advanced that if we can figure out how to use them, we actually should be able to make a significant impact. So what does that look like in terms of time? So if voters at town meeting approve this warrant article, what happens? Then the, the next step will be the appointment of the committee. And then they will start and they will also um, hire a consultant. So which is being happily is being paid for through the Hingham Municipal Light Plant. So anything that might happen right at this moment to vote on having the plan isn't going to cost taxpayers money. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Before we get into the nitty gritty of what we could see as tangible change around town and when, I want to encourage you to check out our page on the Hingham Anchor. You can put faces with voices and see how our neighbors are helping the environment. 
from composting to beach cleanups to building their own greenhouses. Very cool. That's hinghamanchor.com. Okay, back to our conversation. All right, so if a committee gets established, when could we expect to see that plan? Well, it's hard to say exactly. Um, sometimes it takes a little longer to establish committees than you wish it did. But I think the, the, the goal is in the realm of a year. And I think it's important to realize there's not going to be a detailed plan mm-hmm. for everything up until 2040. What's likely to happen is there would be something like a five-year plan, mm-hmm. which kind of targets the, the things that can be done quickly. And then the plan is going to need to be revised, reviewed, um, iterated, you know, over, <laughs> over and over again mm-hmm. in order to kind of keep up with, with what the situation is, what the, what the opportunities are, what the technologies are, so that, you know, we can hopefully in the long run get where we want to go by 2040. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, 2040. I mean, the number or the year... Governor Baker signed into law to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. 2050 is the benchmark scientists say needs to be met to prevent the worst effects of climate change. So when you talk about shorter range plan, what could be some options that we might see more quickly? Uh, well, I think I think certainly we can make some building code changes. Mm-hmm. We can do things like put uh, plug-ins for electric vehicles around town Mm -hmm. using solar, using green um, heating, the the same kinds of things that people would do in their homes. It's just on a bigger scale. So if you were sitting down to the climate change table, so to speak, and could order things off the menu to your heart's delight for changes that could be made at the town level, what would those be? Well, uh, I think one one very good way to start is anywhere possible that you can have an electric vehicle with versus a gas-powered vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to start. So in terms of town vehicles being electrics, perhaps electric school buses? Uh, yes, electric school buses, um, electric police cars. There's even some um, work being done on that particular issue. Mm-hmm. The other, another possibility is to look into some kind of electric system that that helps people get around town without having to drive their cars. Hmm. Such a, like a trolley, like an electric, you know, shuttle bus or mm-hmm. whatever. And what about town buildings, libraries, town hall, that kind of thing? One of the big things for that, of course, is is the heating and the cooling. And whether you're using fossil fuels for that or whether you're using what they call heat pumps and the kind of technologies that are getting better and better to, to change that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's, that's going to need to support this is the Hingham Municipal Light Company is going to need to upgrade their capacity because everything that we are talking about generally means more or less electricity and less fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I think this, hopefully this plan will focus on is how to help people be able to do the things that, you know, we need them to do Mm -hmm. uh, without being a terrible burden on them. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think it's so urgent for Hingham to create a plan? I think to have the town kind of pull together and say, look, this is important. And we really sh- should be a leader in this. Um, there are other towns who are doing these plans. Um, we're a little behind 
some and ahead of others. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, we have the capacity to do this. And I think, you know, we should we should lead in this department as well, because if we don't all work together, we'll make some progress, but we won't make enough. Okay, Kathy Reardon, I thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. Before you go, some exciting news. My podcasting partner in crime, Kristen Keefe, and I, along with our friend Jim O'Halloran, were just nominated for two Emmys for our broadcast TV work. Coincidentally, one of them was for an environmental piece. I'll put links to the stories up on our website. Fingers crossed we win in June. So with that, let me thank Kristen, who always tries to walk on the sunny side of the street. Our fabulous website was created by Donna Mavramatis and her team at Mavro Creative. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening. If you've got something to say, reach out to our website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're here. Talk to you soon. Bye.